Good evening, good evening, good evening. You're supposed to say good evening back? Thank you. All right, good. Just so Asim and I know we're not alone up here. Y'all remember Asim Rahim? Give a big shout out to Asim tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> As you know, Asim knows more about this than any, any of us do. So it occurred to me that we need to have him up here for the next uh, two Wednesday nights. So he'll be here tonight and he'll be here next Wednesday night. Because as you know, he was, uh, <clears throat> his family were, they were uh, uh, Muslims and he was converted to Christ. Uh, the Lord saved him. And so he gives a fantastic perspective and can really help us understand a lot of things. So what we're going to do is just go through the, the, um, the presentation, as I've told you since we started this, which is right out of, uh, of Dr. Martin's Kingdom of the Cult book. And, uh, and then um, Asim will make, I'm sure, very interesting comments all the, way, all the way through the presentation tonight. So, and I am sorry that we did not get a flock note out today. Uh, flock note, as many technologically based businesses are, are making you change your passwords. You ever, you ever had one of those things where you have the same password for a long time, then all of a sudden you sign on and it forces you to change your password? Well, I was never able to do that today. I tried like five times. So that if you didn't get a flock note today, that's why, because I never could get signed on to it to send a flock note out. So uh, that's if you were missing that. All right, well, let's begin. Let's uh, open up with prayer, and then we'll just uh, we'll fire away. Why don't, you, why don't you pray for us, brother, and open us up tonight? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this time, Lord, for all your blessings, your grace, your kind mercy, Lord. We are thankful, Lord, for this church and for the heart of the missions, Lord. Lord, bless those souls who are having a heart to reach out to people, either they are Muslims, Lord, or, or of any other religion, because that is the purpose of our life on this earth, Lord, to show ourselves that Christ lives in, in us, Lord. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray that this time when we are learning about other religion would be a blessed time, and not only, Lord, this time will help us to understand other religion, but open our heart to reach out to those people, Lord, because, Lord, we know they need, they need you. They, they want to learn, the Lord. They have a heart, Lord. And, Lord, you love them as much as you love us, Lord. Mm -hmm. Lord, bless all these services. Bless this time. We ask everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Hussein. All right, so we have uh, been down an interesting road so far. We looked at the false religion of Jehovah Witnesses, and that took us several weeks because that's one of the most thorough dives uh, that Brother Martin did for us. Then after that, what do we look at next, anybody? Mormonism, yes, we looked at that. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I kind of discovered reading uh, Kingdom of the Cults with, about Islam is that Muhammad seems to be basically an ancient Near East Joseph Smith, more or less. I mean, almost, because, I mean, he basically claims the exact same thing Joseph Smith did, that an angel came to him and told him a bunch of stuff. So it's interesting. All right, so here we go. Islam. This is uh, something that Muhammad said, or at least the source that I found said he said, conduct yourself in this world as if you were here to stay forever and yet prepare for eternity as if you are to die tomorrow. Did he say that? Do you remember that at all? No. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's obviously a bunch of Muslim men praying uh, to Allah with some children standing out there in the midst of them. Uh, you don't know how hard it was for me to put that on my computer. Amen. <laughs> I did not want to put that symbol on my computer, but I think it's important um, that, we, that we know what the symbol is. Would you just briefly explain what, what the symbol means, Asim? Because I don't have a clue. Uh, I don't know exactly 
about the symbol, but moon and star is very important, especially in uh, lots of things regarding uh, Islam. Uh, Muslim believes in the Islamic calendar. Mm -hmm. the Islamic that, calendar. That, that is actually with, with the moon, with the star okay. uh, and ending of moon. And one of the most important thing is that Pakistani, uh, I'm from Pakistan, Pakistani flag has a same symbol. Not this person uh, offering a prayer, but this, this is a kind in the end of the, um, when they offer the prayer, they actually hold their hand like this and they ask uh, prayer, whatever they would like to. Uh, I'm not, I don't know specifically about this. Okay, well that's fine. Well, well what's, when you said moon, that made me remember that the Jews, they based their calendar was based on 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 the moon as well, uh, and we we've all we've always been taught, or I was always been taught, the reason why God did that was because they had been in Egypt, you know, for so long in a sun worshiping culture. When God brought them out, He wanted them to be as far from that as He possibly could. So it's just interesting that it's a moon. Okay, keep moving right along. Quick facts on Islam. He always does this with uh, Brother Martin does this with every uh, false religion that that he writes about. He gives us just some quick facts on Islam. So I'll put these in here for you. Uh, number one, the sovereignty, and that's awfully small. I'm sorry about that. I try to keep it big, but that, that's pretty small. The sovereignty of Allah is paramount, okay? Muhammad is his what? Chief prophet, okay? Everything, everything centers around him. There is no original sin, and that is one of the bedrock principles that we have is in Christianity is that all of us are infected with what sin when we're born, the sin of Adam, exactly. That it comes all the way down through the line. Humans are not predisposed towards sin, but they commit sins. <clears throat> Allah has no son. The Trinity is a false teaching. Okay, Jesus was a prophet like Muhammad, but Muhammad was greater. Jesus is revered as a spiritual guide. The Holy Spirit is an angel, Gabriel. Salvation is by the will of Allah through human obedience to his law. So immediately you know that Islam is a religion of what? Works, which we know is the devil's territory period. It is one of the greatest delusions that Satan has ever put upon humanity that you can somehow work your way to God. It is not possible. It comes as a free gift through Christ. It comes through faith and faith alone. To escape the judgment of Allah, one must fulfill the works of the five pillars of the faith, and we'll look at those uh, as we go through this, if we may get through to it tonight or may not, I don't know. The Quran is the perfect word of Allah. The Bible is a wise book, but the Quran is the final authority. So how was that? Did he get it right? Yeah, there are a few things I would like to add here. Please Muhammad, go right ahead. Muhammad is his chief prophet. They also call him the seal of prophet. Uh, or call him the last prophet. The last there prophet. Be, there will not be any other prophet after him, what they believe, actually. So that's why they call him the seal of the prophet. Uh, also about the Holy Spirit is the angel Gabriel. So they believe about angels in many, that many works Allah asks from angels to do. Uh, Gabriel is one of them. Uh, also, one of the very interesting that I always sh share at uh, Muslim believe they have one angel sitting on the right shoulder, second on the left shoulder. And give me your battery. Keep talking. Just give me your battery pack. And that left and right shoulder actually count 
your. Just keep talking through that one. Okay. I know that's really odd, but just do it. <laughs> so those angels actually count your sins, your good or bad deeds. Right side is count your good deeds, left bad deeds. So on the day of judgment, whatever the way would be more, you will be, uh, you will be judged according to those uh, deeds. Try it now. Talk. Hello. Is it still not Mike working? Testing. Mic testing. Let me get you. Let me get your microphone. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Is that me doing that? Who, where, where's the feedback coming from? It may be me. Hang on. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. Intro. Islam is the second. Yes, sir. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, microphone. I got it. Yep. Yeah, Jim, here. Green. Yeah. study the life of Muhammad that how he came to know about other religion or especially about uh, Jewish religion uh, we will come to know that how he write Quran and that was actually they, they, they don't believe they believe that uh, leave it right there they believe that uh, Adam and Eve, the sin was entered into the world, but they don't don't believe that the price are paid by the uh, price paid by Jesus Christ. So that is the most important thing. They believe in sin. Uh, they believe human being can do sin, but they, they 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 don't take it that because of Adam we are doing sin. That helped. That. Yeah. I don't think there's probably a real clear explanation of, and what you're going to find, what I found interesting through studying what Martin wrote, they had this principle called abrogation, where they basically change the theology of what they believe regularly. So, so whatever, kind of almost like the Mormons do. So, so whatever they may have said was practiced 30 years ago, if they get a new revelation, they change that to something different. And so anything that they said back years ago could be changed to something different if the revelation is given to whoever. Is that right or wrong? Uh, kind of, sort of? That's only on Muhammad. Muhammad's revelation was even changed in, in future. Quran wasn't written in the time of Muhammad. He died after, I, I don't know exactly what year, 70 or 90. That was the time when uh, Quran uh, started compiled. So there were many verses which are told that first those verses was told, given by Allah. That was a revelation, a, should be a part of Quran. But later uh, he told that was from Satan. And you have heard about Salman Rushdie. He wrote a book. Uh, yeah, the Satanic Verses. Satanic Verses. In the 70s. I remember yeah. that. Very, very distinctly I remember that. Yeah. 
and those verses are very contradict to the new verse, uh, uh, verses. When we will go in next studies, we will come to know how the Islam spread in 23 years of his era, from 610 to 633, and what was the reason behind those verses being changed. That's interesting. All right. Anybody else? Okay, moving, moving right along. Islam is the second largest religion in the world, next to Christianity. Although Islam is a world religion and not technically a cult as defined in this book, it is a religion that originated approximately 500 years after the birth of Christ. Now, y'all remember that. So this came way after Christianity was established. Okay, in fact, it was, I, I, you, I think you can read that it's a response to Christianity and directly contradicts Christ's teachings. Its place in the religious historical record relative to Christianity, its growing presence in the United States, and its anti-biblical theology require a response, which is why it's in this book, Kingdom of the Cults. Because technically, it's, it's really not a Christian cult, but, but, it, but it, is, it is definitely related to, to the issues that we deal with. Since the September the 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks and the rise of ISIS, and that's what ISIS means if you didn't know, was the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, there is an unprecedented interest in Islam and worldwide debate on its long-range goals. Islam in America is growing rapidly despite deep concern and confusion surrounding its core beliefs, Sharia law, and the high-profile brutality of ISIS. Today, the open borders policy of America and most of the world spreads the hidden culture of jihad, and for the first time in history, Americans now expect and fear foreign terrorist attacks on American soil, which we've already had, um, as we know, uh, in 9-11. Uh, the updated version of this book was 2019, so I don't know if, I don't know if he was writing after, before or after that. I'm not sure when this book was updated, but we know that's already a reality, and if you have news media on your iPhones, you have probably received the warnings from the FBI that they have chatter right now in the United States that is off the charts that are, that are indicative of, 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 a, of an imminent terrorist attack in our country at, at some point in the very near future. Now, you don't need to go out of here scared, scared about that, okay? You need to just be prayerful and be watchful because our open borders right now, it is an absolute disaster. People are pouring in by the thousands. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their intentions are. I mean, that's why you, you hear people just, just screaming about all that. So, all right, moving I right would along. like to add yeah, please, one right thing yes. here. So, regarding how they are uh, Islamic expanding, you can understand that I was reading somewhere in a wiki that in 1950 they were only like 15 something percent and they are increased to 24 percent now in 2023. In the United States? Uh, overall. Overall, okay. Overall world. And you know how uh, they are allowed to have four marriage four wives, and many children. So that is another way that they are <laughs> yeah, numbers. Yeah, right, yeah. That, that, that would help a lot, I would think. In Nashville only, there are about 40,000 Muslims. And in t Tennessee, there are 70,000. This, this is approximate because they always do a kind of census how many mosques are there and take an average and uh, do an average that this is the number in each state. So Nashville has about 40,000 Muslims. Altogether, Tennessee, 70,000. There and are 40,000 Muslims in Nashville. I had, Nashville no idea. I had no idea it was that many. And uh, I don't know this, this they are talking about Nashville or maybe... Yeah, uh, the Middle Tennessee area. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee. Okay, wow. Did anybody, didn't y'all know there was that many? Yes. Okay, I, I didn't have a clue. But they took that, that old movie, you know, and that is full every time it's over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Jim Motok has his hand up. Uh, got a microphone there for you, Jim, for the for the audience at home. Testing, testing. Yeah, um, I worked down on Fourth Avenue uh, for a few years, and there was a mosque right next door to the body shop I worked in. And, and Friday at noon was a, a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was just a stream of people, and uh, it was kind of interesting that some of them were, you know, dressed normally like me and you and some would come in full worship garb i don't know what you call it but uh it uh yeah there was a lot of muslims in nashville i i worked uh before i worked for like new i worked for cal uh, for farmers insurance and antioch is is uh, you know uh, a very big population of muslims met many muslims some super nice people yeah. And some not so nice, and, right. you know, just like anybody right. else. But uh, I remember one particular uh, young couple, uh, they invited me in for lunch. And uh, anyway, very nice. They, they were, they, they were because uh, Nashville is a landing place for, um, what are you, uh, refugees, you know. And I think these two were refugees from... Iraq, they were Kurds, is what they were, actually. Anyway, Kurds. just uh, just some thoughts there. Yeah, memories. We we, we had uh, we lived in McKinney, Texas, for not McKinney, um, Richardson, Texas, for a time, about a year, maybe year and a half or two, and there was a huge mosque right down the road from us, and it, a couple of times a day. People would just come from all over. They would just be walking down the sidewalk, wearing their white gowns or whatever, you know, going going for prayer. It was, and we never had we never had a problem at all. But I mean, they were, we were just, you just don't realize they're there until they're all walking to go pray, and then it's like, wow, it's a lot of these folks. Their good deeds are increased actually if they offer prayer in a mosque as compared to offer prayer at a home. You have four times more uh, good no, deeds. Really, that's amazing. <laughs> so four times the blessing yeah. if you go to the mosque as compared to home? Even on Friday prayer, that is their main prayer, which they offer uh, during the, around noontime, 1 or 2 p.m., uh, that is their major prayer. They are asked to go and ask prayer, uh, offer prayer in, in mosque. Wow, that's neat. All right, moving right along. Uh, unfortunately, many Christians still understand little about Islamic theology, confusing the identity of Jehovah the God of Israel and the Christian church, that is, very, that is very common today still. You will have many people that will try to say that the God of Christianity and the God of Islam is the same. He is not the same. Not the same. There is a pressing need to address these theological differences, an urgency for Christians to study the heritage that is ours in Christ and resist confusion and error in order to share biblical truth effectively with Muslim friends and neighbors. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the prophet or messenger of Allah, is the great, how do you say that, shahada? Shahada. Shahada, or confession, which faithful Muslims around the world declare daily. What was the one, what's the one in Judaism? Does anybody know what it's called? Shema. Yes. And what is it? Thank you, pastor's wife. Yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, spirit. Yes, very good. Okay, just checking you. 
More than 1.8 billion people worldwide worship Allah and revere Muhammad as his prophet. Millions of people embrace the Islamic faith. Entire countries are ruled and dominated by Islamic teachings, practices, and laws. Much of the Western world is dependent on Islamic nations for a major portion of their petroleum needs. That is very true. Islam is a powerful global religious, social, and political force. Every Christian, every Christian should recognize the implications of this, equip themselves with an active defense of the biblical faith, and share the gospel of Christ in love with the followers of Muhammad. And I think everybody would amen that. The only way you're ever going to stop it, the only way you're ever going to stop it, is to get them converted out of that darkness into the light of Christ, period. Allah is the Arabic term for God and cannot be translated easily into English. One Muslim writer defined it thus, the word means the unique God who possesses all the attributes of perfection and beauty in their infinitude. Muslims feel strongly that the English word God does not convey the real meaning of the word Allah. Is that true? That's correct. Okay. Very good. Allah has actually 99 names uh, apart from Allah and in Quran they always describe those 99 names. Uh, most of them have taken the same, uh, what can we say? Uh, root word? Root word or it describes similar, we, we describe God infinite, something like that. They have Arabic uh, name and attributes. 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 Sorry, not the native speaker, so sometimes words are not coming into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to help you, man. That's what we're here. We're here to help you. So that's the, that's the same thing with Muhammad. They have 99 attributes and those attributes are at the end of the Quran. So on both sides, you can see those attributes when, whenever they Very publish good. Quran. Ayatollah, who remember, who, who, who's familiar with that word? Yes. Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Okay. Ayatollah, who's ever heard that word before, that name? Remember this, if you grew up in the 70s, you definitely know that one. Ayatollah refers to a spiritual master or leader in Shiite Islam. Did I say that right? Yep. Caliph is Arabic for deputy and refers to the main leaders of Islam. That is me doing all that humming and bumping. I don't know what I'm doing wrong here, but that's that, that humming, I, I believe, is me. Especially the immediate successors of Muhammad. So Ayatollah, I would like to add here. Please. Again. So Ayatollah is actually this uh, Shia or Shia, we call it. There are two main sects of Islam. So 90% are Sunnis, 10% are Shia. So Shia are mostly, mostly in Iraq, uh, Iran, uh, I don't know what, what another country, but you can search for Google as well. But uh, around other countries, you, mostly you find, like in Pakistan, majority of them are Sunnis. So we can explain, like Caliph is shared here. So Sunni believes that there were four Caliphs which came after Muhammad, and Shia believes, or Shia believes that the fourth Caliph, Ali, was the actual descendant or successor of Muhammad. Oh, okay. So these are the successor of Muhammad, which, uh, which makes the difference between these two. Wow, that's really interesting. <clears throat> so Hadith, Arabic for the collected traditions, is also important in Islamic literature. These are the supposed words and deeds of Muhammad 
and are used to provide the basis of every aspect of Islamic law, Islamic law and practice. Is that right? Go yes. ahead, please. This is why what you're is here, the man. most important thing I would like to share about my life. Uh, in 2006, there was a survey in one of the biggest cities of Pakistan. 96% of Pakistani Imam, I'm not talking about common Pakistani Muslims, but Pakistani Imam mean Pakistani pastors have not studied Hadith book. So Hadith are actually whatever Muhammad said or whatever Muhammad did, his companion or his followers actually wrote all of these. So Sunnis have six Hadith book, Shia has four Hadith book. All these Hadith books are composed of multiple volumes and I completed that reading about four hours or studying four hours with exposition in four years. When I was in college, my father actually uh, uh, admitted into the madrasa, which is a kind of seminary where I studied all of this. That is the actual uh, shape of Islam. If you will study those books, you will come to know who Muhammad was. Two things happen, either you will leave Islam or you became very rigid. Interesting. Because you will come to know what he did, how he did, that is completely written in those books. So many of Muslim Imams, so common people go to uh, Imams or pastors and ask questions from them and they have to explain them through these Hadith books. Sometimes they cannot explain it or cannot answer their questions. So that, that is actually very interesting fact that I came to know when I was in Pakistan that how many uh, less pe people actually know this. And I, was, I studied when I was in my college age. When I converted to uh, Christianity, I thought my life was actually wasted, first 30 years. But with the passage of time, Lord actually clearly speak to my heart and told me that why I studied these books. These books were actually who changed my heart and to understand Bible more clearly. If I should not have studied that, I could not have uh, understand Bible with the true meaning. That's really interesting. Huh. Wow. So the Hadith is, so that, that's the, the, all of the personal, deep, detailed information about Muhammad and his prophets, his life and the prophecies. That's okay. correct. So, so you read that. I loved what you said. When you read that, it either makes you or breaks you in a sense. You read it and you're fully given over to Muhammad or you're like, this guy's crazy. I don't, I don't want anything yeah. to do with this. Okay. Gotcha. And because this is a, a man-oriented religion, uh, religion and focuses more on men instead of women. So men actually are more uh, like these stuff and they become very rigid. They found lots of things which are in favor of them actually. Imam is Arabic for leader, literally meaning one who goes before. And the Imam is the preachers, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So Islam, the Arabic term for submission, is the name of the religion that came out of the revelations and teachings of Muhammad. Mahdi, did I say that right? Yeah. Mahdi, the redeemer of Islam who will come at the end of the world before the day of judgment. Muhammad was an Arab born in the city of Mecca about AD 570, died about 632. He claimed that he was the prophet to guess what, y'all? Restore true religion. 
Who was Charles Taze Russell? He was supposed to be a prophet that was supposed to do what? Restore true what? Christianity. Who was Joseph Smith? What was he supposed to do? Joseph Smith, the angel Moroni, allegedly told him that he was chosen to restore true Christianity. And this guy was chosen to restore true religion. It's amazing. That's, that's wild. Everybody claims that who's false, just about. He claims that he was a prophet to restore true religion and the praise of Allah throughout the world. Just as Jesus Christ was a prophet in his time for his people, Muhammad means the one who is praised. Muslim is the name given to one who adheres to the religion of Islam. Muslim is a synonym of Islam and means one who submits. The Muslim submits to the will of Allah as revealed by Muhammad. You want to say anything about those? Yes, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Maybe the Redeemer, it's, it talks about a lot, but I will not talk about him. I will talk about Jesus, what they believe. Uh, here they are talking about that he will come back. Uh, Muhammad died. There is nothing that he will come back. But there is written in Quran that Jesus will rise again from the dead. It is written. He will come back. Uh, maybe in Just to be sure they got that covered, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. There is actually, I will share that what they believe about the crucifixion in, in maybe next topics. Yeah, it's, yeah, it but next. absolutely, I would love to share here because they are talking about when Jesus will come back, they, will, they believe that Jesus will come back and they, they say that uh, Jesus will bow down to Muhammad <laughs> and will accept Islam. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. They, that's what they believe. Man, is he in for a surprise, amen? My goodness. Yikes, okay. Quran is Arabic for the recitation and refers to the collection of revelations supposedly given by Allah through his archangel to Muhammad and preserved as the Islamic scripture. Muslims believe in the law of Moses, the Psalm of David, and the Injil, Injil. Injil or Gospel of Jesus, Isa. However, they believe that those scriptures were superseded by the scripture given through Muhammad, and that the Bible used by Christians and Jews is a distorted version of those other scriptures, even though the Bible predates the Quran. Wherever the Bible contradicts Islam, the Muslim says the Bible is incorrect. One thing we were taught uh, in, in seminary about, uh, about this whole issue is that the, the, uh, the Islamics claim that, um, uh, that, that uh, Ishmael was the one taken to the mountain to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. And we know that it was Isaac that was actually taken to the mountain. But when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predate everything, all other manuscript evidence that we found, it, Isaac was the one in the text. And so obviously you can't go back 200 years and change it to Ishmael, right? Yeah. So, so we know that it truly was Isaac that was taken to the mountain. So I would like to add here yes. regarding Muhammad, how he came to know how, how these stories... Adam, Noah, all these stories you can find in Quran as well. So Muhammad actually was a trader. By, by profession he was a trader. So he met a lady uh, and he got married when he was 25 and his wife Khatija was 40. She was a trader and a rich, very rich lady. Khatija's uh, cousin who was an ex-rabbi and a Christian Earlier he was a rabbi and then he became Christian, but Muhammad had a fellowship with him. He was a very close friend. He, he became very close friend after his wedding or marriage with Khatija when Muhammad was 25. And until he became 40, he spent those 15 years 
with that guy. His name was Workabel Nofal. Workabel Nofal knew a lot about history of Islam and Jewish because he was a rabbi. So Muhammad got all this knowledge from there. And when this Islam was introduced, you can see the how the stories are twisted, right? Like uh, uh, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was taken and Muslims celebrate actually one of the festival which is called Eid al-Azha and they celebrate in the month of uh, last month according to uh, last lunar month and they celebrate uh, the sacrifice of Ishmael, the time of sacrifice, I will not say sacrifice, right, right. What, whatever happened to Isaac, they twisted story to Ishmael. And then the similar way, we can see the stories of Adam and Eve is twisted, uh, the name of the fruit is different, uh, you can see the other stories is twisted as well. Uh, we, we, we must know one thing that what is revealed in in 1500 years through all those people and everything is interacting with each other and what Muhammad told is very different so that is why when he told they, these three books he mentioned that these three books uh, they believe in Psalms they believe in four Gospels they call it Injil and uh, they also believe in Torah first five books so Torah, Psalms, and Injil, they believe, and then at one place they, they said that these books have been changed. But on the other hand, in Quran, it is testified three times that the word of God cannot be changed. <laughs> word of Allah, sorry, word of Allah cannot be changed. But on the other hand, they say that these books are changed. If contradiction, the, contradiction, yeah. contradictions. Yep. Yep, Manus. Aren't y'all glad it seems here? Isn't this great? He can give you the scoop. Sharia means the path. Did I, did I skip anything? Did I skip one? Y'all help me if I did. No. no, I didn't. Okay, okay. Sharia means the path in Arabic and is every rule or principle found in the Quran and the Hadith. And Allah has legislated or divinely revealed that must be done to achieve salvation. Surah refers to the divisions within the Quran, much like the chapters in the Bible. The Quran contains 114 revelations, each composing one surah or chapter. Apart from the famous first chapter of the Quran, the shortest revelations appear first and the longest ones last. You want to say anything about those? Okay, well, he, he's, he's got you. He's giving you some fresh batteries over there. It's all right. Thank you, brother. It's all right. It's not a perfect world, man. It's not a perfect world. No. Batteries go dead. Microphones don't work. That's Pastors right. are late. You know, <laughs> all these things happen, man. All these things happen. So, I would like to share something about Sharia because this is a very common word nowadays. We heard in USA that Muslims will come over and create some Sharia law. What is a Sharia law? How Muhammad led his life? Governments take that and integrate it into their laws. I will give you an example of Pakistan. They have a Sharia law which is called uh, Three Sharia Law 295A, B, and C. One is about saying anything against Muhammad. Second is about saying anything against Allah. Third is saying ag anything against Quran. If you say anything against Allah, is 
life uh, uh, life imprisonment if you say anything against muhammad death penalty against muhammad is death penalty and life imprisonment and that is very commonly used uh, i don't know how many other countries some countries have these kinds of law but not all the countries so they they take how muhammad dealt the situation in his last 11 years when he was migrated to medina that i mentioned we will discuss the 33 years of his life when the islam was spread and how spread but the last 11 year when he was complete in hold in charge or we can say he was doing a lots of wars or uh doing all the trade when the trader caravans were going there he was uh, a kind of looters right so he they were doing robbery and all these kinds of thing the way they they spread and they grew in those 11 years that was the time so sharia taking something from there and from muhammad's life or muhammad said and integrating into a government like pakistan has these law but many other country doesn't have saudi arabia if you uh, stole anything immediately they cut your hands so this is a sharia law pakistan doesn't have that so they have different kind of laws so it these are integrated by different countries in a different way man that's <laughs> who schools of islam out of 1.8 billion muslims worldwide the greatest number by far are members of the sunnite school They accept the first four caliphs, which is I think you talked about that already, in direct succession from Muhammad and no others. Ninety percent of the Muslims in the Middle East and most parts of the Muslim world are Sunnis. How do you say that? Wahhab- Wahhabis. Wahhabism. Wahhabism. Wahhabism is a literal puritanical form of Sunni Islam held by the Saudi rulers. So those in Saudi Arabia, the old, all those old guys, that they're they're Wahhab- Wahhabism. Wahhabi. Okay. The second largest school of Islam is the Shiite school. Now this was the the what you 10% was uh Shia. Shia and then 90 was 90% are Sunnis. Are Sunnis, okay. The second largest school of Islam is the Shiite school. The name Shiite refers to those early Muslims who choose to follow Ali, the son-in-law of the Prophet, as the Prophet's heir to the leadership of Islam. For the 12 are Shiites, there followed a line of 12 imams or spiritual heads who claimed Ali as an ancestor. Most of them were killed. and the 12th and final imam muhammad disappeared as a child in ad 878 it is believed that eventually he will miraculously return to his people as the mahdi in a manner not altogether unlike judeo christian messiah mm-hmm. that accurate that's right that's right any comments there uh i think so we have already discussed about shia and sunni okay. uh ali actually was the son in law and he was the fourth caliph there were three caliphs before that so sunni muslim do not believe in the first three caliphs they believe ali was the successor of shia okay. i would like to comment on one of that sure. surah you mentioned in the last point earlier 114 revelations uh the quran is written in arabic muslims in many country they don't know arabic but when they offered prayer they have to recite it so what they do mostly like i was uh, my mother tongue or uh, pakistani language is urdu so i never uh, learnt arabic in the beginning for first 5 years but 
my father from the maybe th three or fourth the shahada mm -hmm. that is actually one of the pillar you have to recite it that is recited when a baby is born the shahada is recited in the ear of the baby and you will have that is the first thing to become a muslim shahad you will have to say shahada that that is actually one of the pillar of islam and in the similar way you don't know what it it is meaning many pakistani who who have learned urdu don't know the meaning and in the many other world where the arabic is not the first language they don't know but they learn by heart there are many sura you are learned by heart but you don't know uh, their meaning because you have to uh, 114 revelations those are called surahs or chapters so you have to learn those surahs to recite in in your prayers so we did all that from the start of our childhood and that happens in each and every house you will have to recite them and learn by heart you don't know any meaning until you grow you are interested to learn that so remember that many of muslim when they offer prayer they don't know what they are asking from from allah even when you offer prayer and you recite all of these surahs or verses which are told in uh, in in the prayer some of them actually you are asking forgiveness and peace for muhammad so muslims do not know actually that uh, muhammad was actually asked he was saved how can he be a savior yeah if you're praying for him yeah, yeah. if <laughs> yeah. you are praying you don't for have him. to pray for a savior <laughs> yeah that, that's interesting wow okay moving right along I could listen to you talk about this all night. I just want you to know that. 95% of, uh, of Iran's Muslims are Shiites. And today, Iran is a Shiite Islamic Republic. I'm going to try it. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Bahrain, Iraq, and Yemen also have large numbers of Shiites. Shiites are especially strong in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. A third school that has now penetrated the United States government, some state and city governments, and even school districts is known as the Muslim Brotherhood. Who's heard of that? Anybody heard of that? I've heard of that. Or Ikhwan. Ikhwan. Ikhwan, a xenophobic Egyptian fundamentalist group that strongly believes that Islamic civil law, Sharia law, should be the law of the state. And we have seen episodes mm -hmm. of that all, over, all yes. over the world, not just here, but all over the world. Members of this group are known for their terrorist activities, and a member's offshoot was responsible for the death of, of Egyptian President Anwar al-Sadat. When did that happen? I don't remember when that happened. I don't know even. Okay. Joanna, is it? Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were asking a question. A fourth school of Islam is known as the Ishmaelites, or seven or Shiites, who hold that Ishmael was the final imam. The billionaire Aga Khan is the current imam of Nazari Ishmaelism. Man, that's a weird name. Another Muslim school of note is the Ahmadiyya school, which was founded in the late 1800s by Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Punjab, India. He claimed to be the Messiah and the very image of Muhammad. He taught that Christ fainted and was revived by medication, an ointment called Marham Esau, Jesus Sav, and traveled to India where he died in Kashmir. This small group has produced the bulk of Islamic apologetics against Christianity and Judaism over the last 40 years. The Ahmadiyya Marham Esau are highly visible on American campuses 
and practice strong proselytizing techniques on American students. Is that true? That's interesting for me to know. I know Ishmaili, uh, this group, fourth school, and I have met many actually when I was in Texas. Uh, we have seen so many refugees who are coming from, uh, from this background mm -hmm. because they are persecuted. Uh, I have not studied the other groups apart from mm -hmm. uh, Sunni and Shias, don't, don't know a lot of them. But I know Wahhabi, I know Wahhabism or Wahhabi. Mm -hmm. So they, they were largely persecuted in Pakistan and yeah. they, they believe they are not Muslim. Hmm. And there's probably more than these. Yeah. I mean, these are probably just the biggest ones that are known or that have published maybe mm -hmm. or something. Okay. Yes. And they Microphone. You got to start oh, over. Okay. Sorry. Uh, is it not true that up north, uh, that some communities in certain states allow the that Islamic community to have their own courts and like a Chinatown or whatever, uh, something yeah. like a Chinatown, and they 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 judge their own people. Am I correct? He's, he's at, you know what he's asking? Sharia law. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where is Chinatown. I heard about New York <laughs> and Chicago. Where is Chinatown? Well, Chinatown is just, they're, they're anywhere, any, any metropolitan area oh. that has a high concentration of, of Chinese. Okay. Sometimes they all cluster around in, you know, in one block. Uh, what was it? What, where were all the Italians in New York? What did they call that? Yeah, Little Italy and stuff like that. They just it's so so. That's what he's asking. Is there a place like that that's that's largely Muslim where they actually practice Sharia law within that community? I don't. I, know, I mean, I, I don't know of one. I have heard about New York. There are many Muslims and Chicago also. And one thing that when they come here, they would like to live in a cluster or yeah. in in communities. Yeah. That is their goal. They feel more safe when they are in community. That, that might be one of the reasons. And that is not, not only with the Muslims, but I have seen that even if someone is coming from India or Pakistan, they would like to live in a community or in a clusters. So we, we see in Dallas-Fort Worth area, Richardson area, I have seen lots of uh, Muslim li living in those areas. Yeah. So, so yes. Uh, finally, two very high-profile Muslim groups who continue to promote hatred, war, and the killing of innocent civilians, how ironic is this? Hezbollah, party of God, and who? Have they been in the news lately? Yeah, both devoted to the destruction of Israel. This is not a new thing. And unfortunately, some of the younger generation think that this is a new thing. They don't understand the history, and the reason they don't understand the history is why? We don't teach the history anymore, okay? I mean, in the, in the broader spectrum of education now, Israel's evil. I mean, that's, you know, in, any, any conservative group, any God-fearing group is the problem, right? That's what they do to in us. In Pakistan, I have been told when maybe three, four, or five years, uh, these are infidels and worthy to die. So you are, when you are born, you have been told or brainwashed that these are infidels and worthy to die. Whatever happens, whatever good things are coming from 
Israel, you will never talk about Israel. Even uh, this is a very pinch point. Some politician, like in past, if you have heard how uh, Saudi governments and some of the Arab governments were trying to uh, make some kind of uh, peace. peace, peace plans were going on. But in Pakistan, you are not allowed to even join those groups. They started to get separated them even from Saudi Arabia, where they, which country they love and actually a very actually noble country, or they think about it, this is a country where everyone would like to go, and we will discuss about those five pillars. So what Saudi you're basically Arabia. saying is it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much Israel wants peace or maybe people that are not hardcore Islamics in the Palestinian area, there will never be an end to radical Islamic fundamentalists wanting to completely wipe Israel out. That's what you're saying. That is absolutely right. The okay. most important thing why this issue arise of Palestine, uh, in the, there is a month of Ramadan in, if you have, if you know about that, where all the Muslim keep fast. On the 27th of Ramadan, which is celebrated with the high festivity, Muhammad saw a dream, no, I will not say dream, a vision, and he was, he was uh, riding on a horse and he was taken to the uh, mosque Aqsa, that is in West Bank at that time. So that is the holy place. So that is the bone of uh, contention that the Muhammad tried to do that. This p place or this land is a holy land for Muslims. Hmm. So they will never stop. No, never. never stop. Thank you for that. According to Scripture, we've got about uh, nine minutes left. So according to Scripture, the ancestors of modern Arabs can be traced back to Shem and are properly known as Semites. Shem's descendant, Eber, gave rise to two lines, Peleg's line, from which Abraham is descended, and Joktan's line, which contains the names of many Arab groups. However, many Arab tribes trace their ancestry to Ishmael, the firstborn son of Abraham. The religion of the tribes had no real priesthood. The migratory nomads carried their gods with them in a red tent, forming a kind of Ark of the Covenant which accompanied them to battle. Their religion was not personal but communal. The tribal faith centered around the tribal gods, symbolized usually by a stone, sometimes by some other object. It was guarded by the Sheikli house, which thus gained some religious prestige. God and cult were the badges of tribal identity and the sole ideological expressions of the sense of unity and cohesion of the tribe. Conformity to the tribal cult expressed political loyalty and apostasy was the equivalent of treason. Muhammad was born in Mecca near the middle western coastal region of Arabia about AD 570 to Abdullah or Abdallah who died two months after he was born and Amina his mother who died when he was six. Mecca was a large commercial city uh, known for the Kaaba cube, a building famous for its 360 idols containing images of the moon god Hubal, Alat al-Uzza, and Manat and the Black Stone. Muhammad's family was of the, rel was of the relatively poor Hashemite clan of the Quraysh tribe, and it is the patriarch of that tribe, Fear, known as Kirsh or Shark of the Kinnah tribe, who Muslims claim to be a descendant of Ishmael and an inheritor of God's promise to Hagar in Genesis 21:18. That is wild. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Absolutely wild. Mm. 
So if you want to know why all the fighting is going on, your answer is right there. In, those, in, those, in this, that, that panel right there. That's it. So it's all over which boy is the promised child. That's it. And we know the promised child is, yes, Dick? Yes. Question up here, Jim? I, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit probably, but I just want to ask a question. Is this quote in the Koran, kill the infidels, is that, is that in the Koran? That and, is are, and are we the infidels? Oh, we're, we're definitely the infidels. We are anybody that's not... What was that? So, I think he was giving you a, a, a citation. Yeah. There are many places. If I tell you, if you take the Hadith book, there are multiple, many, many times. I cannot count them. So there are many times he is talking about this to kill the infidels. Uh, infidels, anyone who doesn't believe is Islam is infidel. But after Muhammad, it started promoting more with Jewish and Christian, which are more in number or percentage, they started calling them. Even when I was in Pakistan, for me, uh, America is a Christian country and infidel country. Uh, I was a Muslim uh, when 9-11 happened. I celebrated. Now, I, I feel ashamed what I did at that time, but I was happy at that time because that's the way you are brought up in Pakistan or in any uh, Muslim family. Your brain is washed. You have been told all these who do not accept Islam are infidel. Yeah, right. They are worthy to die. I will, I will try to get some time how my life is changed or what was the turning point of my life. I would love to share a little bit of my testimony maybe next, next time. Yeah, what sure. was the turning point and why this happened, not today. Um, that is okay, Pastor. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, what time is it? We got about five minutes. All right, so let, let's, try to, let's try to get through this panel and then we'll call it a night. After the death of his mother, he was sent to live with his grandfather, Abal Mutalib, who provided a Bedouin, Bedouin foster mother for him, Halima, and was raised in the desert. After the death of his grandfather, when Muhammad was eight, he returned to Mecca to live with his uncle, Abu Talib. At 25, Muhammad married a wealthy 40-year-old widow, Khadijah, after she proposed to him. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. So he must have been a handsome guy, huh? Yeah. So this is Badu we call, so that's why when you say Baduin, I couldn't understand what okay. is that. That's all right. In our language, it's different. And my southern drawl ain't helping much either, I'm sure. <clears throat> after, after Khadijah died in 619 or 620, Muhammad married a widow of a disciple and a six-year-old who moved in with him when she was nine, Aisha. His seventh wife was his ex-daughter-in-law. By the time of his death, he had 12 wives and two concubines, including Maryam, an Egyptian Coptic slave. Okay. Interestingly, Surah 4.3 limits the number of wives to four. So he was breaking his own rules. Mm -hmm. And in Surah 4.31, marriage to one's daughter-in-law was prohibited 
But in Surah 33, 36, and 40, Muhammad was conveniently given a new revelation, abrogation, yeah, right? Yeah. A new revelation from God that ordered Zayd, Muhammad's adopted son, to divorce his wife so Muhammad could marry her by God's command. This is called abrogation to be discussed later. I mean, do we need to go further? I mean, so we'll, uh, we'll stop right there. So we got about three minutes. Well, um... I cannot thank you enough. Y'all give it up for a scene for being here tonight. I mean, thank you. Fantastic. Uh, we will pick up there next week and give you plenty of time uh, to, to share your testimony. Because I think, I mean, what we may do is just jump to the theology. But I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's just a bunch of man-centered nonsense. I just don't understand why so many people are so gullible to believe um, all this garbage that's floating out around there, especially, especially stuff that, that, call, that calls for violence and that calls for, you know, you know that kind of thing.